Hello everyone and welcome to Changing Minds Through Gaming, a series where we talk about mental health and play video games. Episode 2 is with Andy Pearson of Tape, I had a really good conversation with him and he makes some really good points throughout, and yeah, it's, it's really nice to hear different people's viewpoints and this kind of thing and I'm looking forward to recording more of these. The feedback I've got from these so far has been really good actually and I hope that you listening are able to relate, I guess, to what's being said. So yeah, thank you very much for listening and enjoy. Um, hello. hello. I'm talking on the microphone. It seems alright, I think. Okay. Oh, it shouldn't do, because it's not connected to me in any way. <laughs> <laughs> you go up, keep moving it up at the same time. You're not moving your neck up, are you? You're moving your head up, you're part of your neck. You're really dropping your head back. I won't argue about most things, but I am definitely you knowing where my head moves <laughs> back and forth. Around about PlayStation 2, they brought an inverted look. So there's obviously enough of us out there going, this is wrong. This is just wrong. But if I do, um, uh, if I play games where it's a mouse, like a, a thing game, I have to do it the right way, the way you do it. I just call it the right way. There's an argument. Let me just get out of this one area because I don't like the fact that I'm stuck in an area that Steve got stuck in. <laughs> and that's where I am. Oh, I just leave. <laughs> no, I'm like, Steve was stuck on the door, was there? I was automatically thinking it was something else. There we go. Stuck on finding a door is what you were stuck on. I saw the door about five times, but it can't be that. It can't be that there's a door there. Okay. Right. So are you recording? Yes. Oh great, all of that. <laughs> Steve, Can't you're a fool. Should have gone and done that. Alright. Okay. <laughs> Alright, so I have conversations around mental health. And okay. I wanted to start by asking if there's any experiences that you've had with mental health, not necessarily problems or difficulties, just it doesn't necessarily have to be a problem, just some kind of maybe experience that you've had personally that you're willing to talk about. Or, for example, it could be um, maybe stress-related with work or something. Yeah, I think I think that pretty much most people deal with with the, a level of stress, whatever job they've got, um, and some people cope with it better than others, I would assume. But I think everyone kind of understands the idea of pressure and how to deal with it. I have anxiety. I deal with anxiety uh, and uh, depression. So, um, so that can manifest itself within a work environment in the sense that uh, something that some people might be able to deal with quite easily can really knock me off my game. Um, uh, I don't know if I've got any <laughs> any solutions for that. Just kind of, I think I think my personal opinion on my mental health, which is all you can really be an expert on, is um, is that knowing that that's your problem, knowing that that's how you deal with yeah. things, uh, makes it easier to uh, to cope with. Um, yeah. So, yeah, because obviously I've suffered with anxiety and depression as well, and I guess kind of what helped me was objectifying it, so just kind of realising that this is how I am, and you can kind of take steps to kind of try and tackle it. Mm-hmm. So that's what you mean by it, but... Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think it's uh, you can't really if you're somebody who's an anxious person, then you're not going to be able to cure that anxiety. 
really you are who you are yeah. you can just manage it better and, and and i think i think accepting the person you are rather than trying to change them is probably the uh the best way to go about that yeah um i, I mean i'm i'm not anybody you can be an expert and say that's what you need to do but that's the way i've learned how to kind of cope with my own anxiety and depression stuff is just accept that i'm going to feel that way for a bit uh, and not let it because it can snowball i think that's the problem is that with uh, mental health is that your issue can snowball quite easily so if you're you're feeling anxious and then you're anxious about being anxious <laughs> then you end up getting more and more yeah. and more anxious uh, and, and that's what i've kind of managed to do uh, it's working so far mm. it's kind of interesting with what you're saying about like being anxious about being anxious because like that's something i felt a lot and kind of a lot of the anxiety I experience stems from that almost like um, instead of say the night before something important instead of being anxious about what might happen I'm being anxious because I feel like I should feel anxious mm -hmm. so yeah. do you feel that way as well that stuff or yeah I mean the, the, I think one thing that people who don't experience that uh, don't understand is, is is there's nothing worse than being in a point of view and you know you know what you're doing but that doesn't help you yeah. get past it sometimes so it's that thing where like uh, if you're there's nothing worse than somebody who doesn't deal with anxiety going why are you being anxious it's not nothing to be anxious about it's like well that doesn't really help me because i i know that i know i shouldn't be anxious about this thing but i am and i can't really uh undo the way my brain is wired uh, in the same way that there are people who've got uh, anger issues and they go into an angry place for no reason at all, at all and you kind of go well it's like telling that person don't be angry at this thing it doesn't really matter it's like the kind of the, the other end of that isn't it yeah. you can either deal with your problems in an angry way or an anxious way or a depressed way and it's it's all coping mechanisms with, with problems that come up yeah um but yeah no i i've definitely had moments where i'm stressed because I'm stressed, like the, 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 the end result is, is also kind of creating itself, isn't it? Yeah. I find a lot as well that um, you can kind of feel anxious or stressed for no proper reason. And then once you start kind of like detecting that that's the way you're feeling, it gets worse just because you know it's starting to feel that way. So, yeah, like you said, it's kind of like a snowball effect when it, once it starts. But, um, how do you think you, uh, how, how old are you now? I'm 22. 22. So like, at 22, how do you think your, uh, your coping with anxiety has changed? I think it's changed a lot in like the last couple of years, just because I've been able to kind of objectify it again and say this is where it is, and go into counselling and being able to talk about it more and just kind of talk through strategies but at the same time I'm kind of struggling to work out exactly what it is that would help me personally because that's what I was going to ask you is um, what kind of ways do you use to cope, to cope with like being anxious about being anxious because I mean I guess for me it's kind of useful to kind of just distract myself as much as possible and try and do something and take my mind off it but have you got any other things you'd like to share? Um, 
I mean, I'm, I'm 40 this year, so a lot of it is time, kind of really adjusting to who you are. Yeah. Uh, I And also things that happened in my life, I kind of was quite shy when I was younger. Um, and then I did a couple of jobs and sometimes social, uh, when you deal with social anxiety, um, sometimes it affects your friendships and affects the way you do things, but sometimes being put in situations that you can't really control can be terrifying, but also can kind of break those fears that are within yeah. you. So when I, I did, worked in a bar for a while, and, <clears throat> and I was, uh, that was right when I was probably 15, uh, not, I didn't work, work in buying the bar, I worked <laughs> as, a, as, a, as a kitchen porter uh, and then moved my way up to bartender, but I was 15, 16 when I started that job. Very, very nervous, very unsure of myself. Um, but then the other staff, especially the female staff, kind of refused for me to be shy and kind of <laughs> broke me out of my shell. And that kind of got me to a point where it was like, oh, actually, you know, even though I might think the things I say are inane and, uh, and unimportant, some people don't mind me talking to them. So I don't have to be as anxious about it. There will be some people that will be nice to me and I can kind of, that kind of was a big progression for me and kind of helped me deal with it, even though I was still feeling anxious, still having those moments. Uh, knowing there was enough people out in the world that didn't mind me <laughs> that yeah. way kind of helped matters um, and then as it's gone along the coping is like I said before the coping is being aware that those things are happening and then trying to on the inside go okay it's happening I'm going to let it happen but I'm not going to let it completely eat away the entire day I'm not going to let it snowball into a into an entire day of me being both stressed depressed and then going into a self kind of hate area because what that's what my progression is being anxious the anxiousness leading to depression and the depression leading to me hating myself because i've allowed myself to get into this state so it would be these three stages of what i would do um but then dealing with the anxiety at the beginning kind of stops me going down those other two paths and that's and it's been a fairly new thing tape helps a lot being at tape and being around people who are very positive and yeah. uh, um, understanding of those different parts of my personality um, but yeah um, does, that, does that make sense? it does so it's kind of a lot of it is with experience as well really isn't it just um Exposing yourself to like certain experiences repeatedly, so you kind of get more used to them. And no idea what you just did. <laughs> <laughs> was I, 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 I was like, I should, I should wait until you finish your line before, before, I, before I do this. The temptation was too much. It was too much. I just kept standing on the precipice of jumping <laughs> off into it into a port. How often do people around you? So, I guess at tape, or friends, or. Does people in your life have conversations around mental health? Is it kind of like a common thing or is it not so common? I think I'm in a unique position in the place that I work that it's probably spoken about more often. Not unless I'm, I'm just annoyed at the inverted controls already. <laughs> <laughs> change it, you can change it. I'll give it back to you and you'll get annoyed. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll pause while you change the controls. <laughs> You're not helping me with my mental health. That's what I need to do. <laughs> <laughs> that, that thing. Um, 
Yeah, my friend really hates me because he, he can't do it the way I do it as well. And whenever we play a game, we've got a pass party to change it. Um, so it was the question. The question was yeah. So in the place I work is a uh, a community arts charity. So we work with all people from the community, but we obviously have people come in who have uh, mental health issues, and so it's probably spoken about more often than in the other workplace, just because. Uh, there's a more of an understanding and a, and a, and a sympathy for it and, uh, of how it, how it, how it manifests. Uh, that said, it's probably not spoken about too much uh, because we uh, we definitely don't uh, judge or work with people specifically based on their their needs. We just treat people as people, and and, that, and so it's not ever a conversation in that sense. Um, in my in my personal life, it's probably not mentioned very much. There'll probably be people who, if they see friends of mine, if they see this video, might be surprised that I have it because I really talk about it that openly. Um, not really out of shame. I mean, at one point, I would have been embarrassed to tell people that that's how you feel because that lead that feeds into your anxiety, doesn't yeah. it? Really, the people knowing that you're anxious makes you more anxious. Um, but more just out of not wanting to depress people <laughs> not, yeah. not kind of go hey we're having a good time let me tell you about where I'm where I'm at so I thought I, there are only certain people in my life that I would feel comfortable having that conversation with without feeling like the conversation is going to go in a really dark place and we're not going to be able to get out of that conversation um, but I've got a good I've got a good a good handful of friends that I know I'm very comfortable having that conversation with yeah I think that's the thing is that if you can sense how kind of people have those conversations um, with close friends only, it can be kind of hard to gauge um, how much of an issue mental health is altogether, and just you know how many people are affected by it and who's affected by it. So, do you think there's kind of benefits from telling more people, or just I guess it's difficult to kind of draw a line between like explaining everything and kind of touching on it lightly because once you touch on it lightly, you kind of you're almost obliged to go into it all really, aren't you? So, do you think it's a way around that? Or? Well, I mean, I mean, I mean, that's probably a personal thing as well. The idea of, uh, and I, I'm terrible for that. I have a tendency of like over-explaining things, just in general, not just even about mental health. Uh, feeling like, oh, you won't understand this unless I tell you every atom of it. Um, I think some people, I think it would probably be comfortable to be able to set, to find out a way to let people know that you have those anxieties without making it a big deal so that they don't necessarily have to deal with it. Because that's the whole problem is that when, if you fall over and you hurt your knee, somebody might want to come over and help you and know how to help you. So if you're saying you're in pain or you're in having an anxious moment, people will naturally go, oh, I'm supposed to do, I'm supposed to do something. And they, they don't have to do anything most of the time. Just to be understanding is all they've got to do. Yeah. Um, so being able to have a comfortable way that if you feel like you need to tell somebody that, that you're anxious without making it a big to-do, to be just go, be aware of this. Yeah. This is what's happening. You don't have to do anything, uh, but this is happening right now. Uh, if you can give me a little bit of space or if you can just get, you know, whatever you need from them, that'd be quite good. But I think that kind of, looking at social cues and, and knowing the environments that, that might work out because there's nothing worse than, than finding a moment to feel like you want to open up to somebody 
and tell them about your mental health and then to react badly not necessarily because they're not sympathetic but they might just be a person who socially can't deal with that kind yeah. of you know uh, that kind of heavy subject and isn't used to it and just kind of goes oh that's that and starts acting weird because they don't they suddenly don't want to treat you like a human being all of a sudden they want to treat you specially or yeah. differently but that might make you more anxious or make you and make you revert and not want to interact with people more often yeah. you know because you've had a bad experience of someone reacting to it. have you dealt with that in your life opening up to somebody and then dealing with it in a way you weren't happy with um i guess maybe in a way um people have kind of they almost get really touchy around the subject it's more that they're afraid that I'd be offended by it almost, if that makes sense. So okay. if, if they think that I sh I'm kind of um, worried about opening up about stuff and they get really touchy all of a sudden, that kind of makes me worse because I wasn't worried in the first place. That's the reason I told them, but then it kind of ends up in the worst cycle. Cause and what do you mean by, t like, how, how do they react? Do they react as if they don't want to have the conversation or the They react almost as if they're kind of they don't want to speak about it too much, kind of closing themselves off a bit. Okay. I mean, you have to, I mean, back to what we were saying before about um, being, uh, trying to be more aware of your own, own I don't know, but I'm not a doctor, so I don't know the proper terms of what the condition or however you want to label your mental health issues. In the moment, it's hard to do that, but in, in po like afterwards, you might have to go, well, actually, Maybe they are dealing with mental health themselves, and the reason the reason they don't want to talk about it isn't that they're dis they're uncomfortable with you having an issue and being open enough to talk about it. It might be the fact that they don't want to talk about their own issues, yeah. and it's a thing where like you being as comfortable with it might make them uncomfortable because they're like, oh wait, I don't want to talk about it because they're not. I'll, talk I'll probably tell you about mine, and I I've, I've been ignoring mine and I've been yeah. trying to, which is it is definitely a starting point for most people with mental health is if I ignore it, it'll go away. Yeah. You know? I mean, I don't know. I don't know those people you've spoken to, but uh, it's sometimes healthy. Again, I don't know about this. I'm saying that I think it's healthy to sometimes analyse a bad ex experience and go, actually, I'm reading it from my point of view. Maybe in their point of view, it wasn't that way. Because yeah. a big anxiety of mine is me having an interaction with somebody and then going away and then me imagining what they actually thought of that interaction and going, oh no, I thought, you know, I said something and they looked at me weird. Am I a weirdo? Am I being weird? Am I? And then I would overanalyze that forever. Um, and then getting to that point and going, wait a minute, maybe I did say something silly, but they've, they've probably not thought of it since. <laughs> you know, it, it was not a big deal for them in their day. People say weird things all the time, and yeah. people just get over it. It's only me that's holding on to it. Um, so I think it is healthy to sometimes look at bad experiences and go, maybe I'm definitely, well, actually, probably most likely I'm putting more into it than actually happened, and nothing really happened in that scene. Mm. Yeah, I get that a lot as well with analysing conversations and things once they've happened, and just, yeah, sometimes you can look too far into it, can't you, and just end up going down and the rabbit holes of certain thoughts, but then it was completely different to how, in their mind, to how the actual conversation went, so. Yeah, and yeah. I know, yeah, and again, I think, I think that's, that's a good step forward. 
you know, you can't always do it in the moment. Um, that's what I've recently gotten good at is knowing that now when I have a bad moment, I'm going to go and think about it later on and try to work out that, that I don't need to worry about that because even, um, even if worst case scenario, I'm right about what they think about me, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter about, not that other people's opinions don't matter, they do matter, but their opinion of you doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> if they've got a bad opinion of yourself, you have to kind of let that go. Not everyone's going to like you, not everyone's going to think you're a cool person or an interesting person, you've got to let that go. But I'm now starting to get better at, in the moment, by getting better at it in, in the future, I've now started to focus on that moment of going, oh, I'm starting to have a negative thought or I'm thinking that they're thinking something about me. Um, they're not. I'm gonna. St- I'm gonna stop that before it even goes down to it. So right, I, I'm now at that point where I don't even know. I need to analyze it later on and fix it later on. I can fix it in the moment or within the initial moments of feeling that anxiety. Yeah. I'm gonna mm-hmm. give this back to you because I'm stuck. I'm <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, what's going on with the controls? <laughs> <laughs> How much do you know about um, counselling and therapy options for mental health problems? So. Take anxiety as an example. Um, well, there's there's medication for anxiety. Uh, there is uh, therapy. I, I have thought I have done therapy. Um, I didn't. Um, it, it didn't work for me, but I have thought about trying it again recently because I think sometimes things that are not right for you at one part in your life can be right for you on another part when you're ready for it yeah I'm not saying that I'm not an advocate for uh, therapy I think there is I'm definitely somebody who believes in that talking about stuff can definitely make you have realizations and understand parts of your anxiety and uh, more understanding of your of your issues uh, definitely help uh, control them better or understand them better which yeah. again about me talking about um, accepting parts of yourself rather than trying to shut them off or trying to control them uh, um, is uh, it's like uh, any kind of addiction if you are uh, an alcoholic for example trying to just go I'm not an alcoholic is not going to stop you from being an alcoholic accepting that that's part of your makeup and then trying to manage it is a better way to go it, go with it rather than just going, well, the problem is drink. I'm going to stop drinking and I won't have a problem. And you go, well, you probably will have a problem. You find people who have uh, mis- uh, drug misuse and those things that when they come out of those things, they become addicted to something else. They become addicted to video games because they have an addictive personality and they replace one vice with another that's more manageable, more socially acceptable. Yeah. Um, uh, so I think understanding what you have helps you cope with it better than trying to just fix it. So therapy can work in that sense. I think that it can help. Uh, you can get it through the NHS. So there is options, it's paid for therapists. Is it something you've been interested in thinking about doing? I've been to sessions before, um, cognitive behavioural ones, which are kind of one-on-one sessions. And like you said, it's kind of like you talk things through and try and understand what it is that's causing you problems or anxiety or whatever and um, take steps to try and combat it so I've gone through that but um, I think I tried to do it through university and get help from them 
and it took me about six months or so to get through to from actually starting to saying I want to have therapy this is going to help me mm -hmm. to actually getting my first session it was about six months plus I think so it's, it was kind of like a long wait and then I finished sessions now and you go into like you can refer back again this to this place in like um, I guess like nine months or something and then you go into another waiting list once you've referred yourself so that's um, they're like a charity so it's a free option I know you can have paid ones as well yeah but, um, how yeah, did you find it? I found it really good and it's something that I'd like to do again but I think the reason that they had such a long such difficulty getting it is because they had such a high demand for it and that's the thing is that I I honestly don't think maybe I'm completely wrong but I don't think many people know a huge amount about the benefits of counselling I kind of feel like they they're not too well informed in it yet there's still a really high demand for it so that kind of tells me that it's a big problem that kind of isn't being tackled uh, as in advertising for people to know that it's a... Yeah, as in advertising and just education, I guess, about it and explaining what it is and how it can help. Because really, like, waiting that long is too much of a hassle, really, and if people are in really, like, much more urgent situations of needing help, then obviously there's, like, hotlines and things you can go to, but um, if they needed someone to talk it through with someone professional and they wanted that, and they have to wait a few months, that's a really long time, isn't it? So. Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, mine, when I went to therapy, it was a, it was a, a big long waiting yeah. period for it, um, which is, I don't know, uh, I don't know how the NHS, it was the NHS that I went through for mine, um, and I don't know what their criteria is, because obviously if somebody's got suicidal intendencies and stuff like that, I would assume that they can kind of jump the queue, because it can't be that thing where, like, I'm not, I'm, I'm going to harm myself and then people say, well, we'll see you in six months and see if you've survived that. Yeah. Um, I would assume, but yeah, the, the resources for it and the need for it are massively, there's a big disparity before, between, between that. I mean, what would you suggest? You say that we need more, uh, obviously we need more, I guess more therapists, more people being available for people. Do you think there could be an intermediate level, like some people who have basic training to be able to give the standard advice, or do you think that it always needs to be a professional psychologist to give that advice? Um, I think depending on, it kind of depends on how severe your problems are. So you'd have certain people who go straight to um, top level clinical therapists, but maybe some people would like some of these maybe not specifically changing certain things, can just help them sort through things. So yeah, I think an intermediate level might help or just more therapists in general and more funding and things. Yeah, and what about when you said that it needs more awareness, what do you think for that? Do you think like that's a government ad scheme or? I think a big more? thing for it is education. Because I mean, I know things have probably changed by now. Because I was talking to Steve and he was saying um, things in schools have kind of changed a bit, so you've got people encouraging you to take, to take breaks and things. So it's just kind of um, getting kids to be more self-aware about that kind of thing at an earlier age, so it's more normal. But I think having more education in schools and places like that to kind of make it a more normal thing that's discussed and 
help people understand it a bit better would help a lot. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think it's taking the stigma out of it as well, isn't it? Uh, I'm just going to not find him on there, so because I'm going to do a lot of talking now. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I think. I mean, I totally agree with that. I think it being in schools and and uh, uh, in America, they have guidance counselors, so they have people whose job it is to check on the on the uh, students mental well-being i don't know if that's something that's been brought into this country i don't think it I don't is think so but i think that would be i think that would be a really good especially with like bullying and things like that go on in school anyway so having people who know where their children where their students uh mental well-being is as standard seems like a good move uh, and that could slowly move into because then you have got that intermediate person who can help them and then if they need more serious counseling they can go straight to that yeah um so yeah, I think that might be might be a, a good way to deal with it. I think yeah, I think uh, it's whatever works, isn't it? Really, when it comes to uh, how you want to deal with your mental health and having somebody to speak about it who's trained uh, and, and uh, has experienced it themselves. Uh, yeah, it's great. Yeah, I think that's the thing as well. Is it kind of comes down to individual people and how they want to be treated and how the people around them want to be treated as well. So it's just kind of, everything's very specific to the individual person of what they need. What do you kind of think about the stigma around mental health in society in general? Do you reckon there's quite a big stigma, a negative stigma, or in your experience, what do you think it's kind of? I think, I think the m- misunderstanding of mental health and this is me talking as Andy uh, just from my own this is not my professional opinion this is not my uh, my work opinion this is just from having dealt with mental health myself and have friends who have mental health issues and then working at tape is that there is a fundamental misunderstanding of, of, of how somebody would be if they have a mental health issue and so I think the average person assumes that if they know somebody with mental health or if they're dealing with somebody with mental health, that it'll be a, a hassle, <laughs> that they will be a hassle and that they've got to deal with it and so that they will try to minimise those people in their lives because they don't want to have to have somebody that think mental health is somebody going to be constantly coming up to them and being like, oh, I'm really sad and would you fix me being sad? Or they'll, that's how they perceive it. Whereas the truth is, it's just, um, it's just, co- it's just, it's just, people dealing, having problems dealing with certain social uh, social situations or uh, being able to cope uh, emotionally with certain situations, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they are not somebody who's fun to be around, <laughs> that they can just have normal uh, pursuits and be into sports and do all those normal things that the normal quote-unquote people do um, and that um, and that if they were just treated like a normal person and just that's all people really are asking for most of the time is to be treated normally but to be able to be open about the fact that they have those moments without it suddenly dragging the whole conversation down or it needing to be a full debate about how they feel but being able to just say it people are allowed to say I had a crap day but if you say I had a crap day 
and part of that is my anxiety that suddenly changes the conversation yeah. which it shouldn't do like if you have a bad day you have a bad day does it really matter within the conversation between two people why you've had a bad day or why that's been uh, yeah why it's gone that way for you um, I don't know how you address that because it's kind of uh, it's people's pre yeah. uh, um Sorry, I'm looking for uh, preconceived ideas of what they think mental health is. I think if you ask somebody, if you went down to like a Vox Pops and went round the street and asked people um, uh, what they think mental health is, most people would say depression, I would assume, would say that that's mental yeah. health. Some people would think it would be things more severe. They would think it would be uh, schizophrenia and um, um, psychopaths and stuff like that like because that's that's to do with mental health and people just go into these extreme versions of mental health um, and don't know that it's a real spectrum but it, it's hard to get people to I guess it's been around people I always find that with working with people with like with down syndrome and stuff that people have a preconceived idea of what somebody with down syndrome is instead of yeah. just meeting an individual and realizing they're all individuals and that they they, uh, they have this disability but they're just people and you have to meet them and that's how you'll know and once you have them in your life you don't think of them in any you think of them as people you don't yeah. think of them as the disability which a lot of people do they seem to like to to um label people in general, label people by their ethnicity, label people based on their uh, sexual preference, label people based on their gender, uh, and mental health is the same. People like like to label you, oh, wait, you're, you're depressed, that means we I don't want to hang out with you because I don't want to hang around with the person who's depressed. And go, well, I'm not depressed every moment of the day. I can laugh, I can joke, we can go to the pub and have a pint. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I guess it's kind of just opening up more conversations that kind of leads to people taking away labels or kind of adapting them so that they realise that it's not like if you're depressed, you're not depressed all the time. It's not a completely severe thing all the time, or it doesn't have to be. But yeah. Yeah. And I guess the problem is, is that part of the conversation is, I think, I think, there's, I think, I think people struggle with an honest conversation. And that goes way beyond mental health and goes way beyond all those isms, those racisms, homophobia, those things. People mostly want to have a laugh and a joke and they don't want to have an honest conversation and that's what makes them uncomfortable. Is, you know, I would much rather <clears throat> someone have a conversation with me where they say, I'm uncomfortable with this part of your depression. I don't really know how to deal with you when you're really depressed. So I'm no good for that. And we go, well, that's okay. I'll never put that on you. You don't have to do anything. Yeah. And then that, and I've got friends who can deal with me when I'm really depressed and I'll go to them. I won't come to you. I'd rather you tell me that honestly, I won't get offended and be like, well, you can't deal with me when I'm depressed. That's disgraceful. You're a horrible human being. I would never do that. People have their own limitations of what they can do. But I think it's the fear of that honest conversation yeah. that people struggle with more than the depression, more than the anxiety. It's the idea of, you know, it's like eye contact. <clears throat> I, I struggle with eye contact. 
I remember someone once uh, doing a cheers, doing like a little toast and clinging glasses. And as we clinked glasses, I looked away and he was like, what are you doing? You should always make eye contact when you click glasses. And I'm like, well, I feel that quite awkward to do that. But it's been, the reason why I feel awkward with it is it's an honest moment. Like looking in somebody else's eyes, you're, you're, you realise you're having a conversation with somebody, you're having a moment with somebody and that can be quite terrifying. And I think there's that, it's that moment of honesty. And you, like say, if you've had moments where you've been with friends and you've been like, I struggle with anxiety and this is how it manifests itself. It's an honest moment. It's you being very vulnerable and being very honest with somebody. And that's a bit they find uncomfortable. Um, I think that's just a human a human thing. And I yeah, don't know what the mm. fixes for that. But, but I think it is, it is a big barrier, a big barrier of talking about mental health and having it being an open thing in society. So I guess with working at TAPE, you work with a lot of different people and I guess a lot of people who are kind of open about their problems. So have you ever seen, have you ever experienced people being discriminated because of mental health problems? Yeah, definitely. I mean, not just through TAPE, not, you know, not just people have met through TAPE thing in life. I think um, I'm quite a, a logical person so I, I you know I've tried to help people in the sense of like working out how how some of those discriminations came part about because some of those discriminations happen because you put yourself in a position where you allow someone to discriminate against you um, but yeah I mean it happens within jobs because sometimes a, a job will ask you if you uh, have got mental health issues and um, people think that if you've got mental health issues that uh, that would make you a bad worker which is inaccurate yeah. you know um, I would assume I would assume that it's getting better I think that there is more awareness of certain than there used to be there used to be not at all like you know that this conversation would not be going on yeah. 20 years ago uh, or not not to my knowledge it wouldn't have been going on um, I think it's getting better in that sense. I guess I guess the discrimination might be worse in the sense that because people are more open about it, there's more chance of people knowing you have a mental health issue. So employers can be more discriminated. You yeah. would never you would never open up about that in a, in, a, in a working environment in the past. So now because it's got better, <laughs> you're more likely to admit it, which might then lead to you being mis- uh, mistreated in the yeah. workplace from it so I guess it's a double edged sword in the sense that I think society is getting more open about it but then that leads leads people who are not willing to accept it or don't want to research it I mean that's the other issue isn't it it's a lot to ask a person who doesn't have a mental health issue to somehow be educated about it because that's the issue and it's the same about I, I do really see a parallel between mental health and, and other stigmas that people deal with like when it comes to racism and homophobia and those things i think it is very similar because what it is is i've got something that i deal with and i'm kind of expecting the rest of society to understand a little bit about it and the rest of society going it's not my job to know about your mental health yeah um and then and then you trying to reassure them they don't need to be a a doctorate (laughs) mental health to be beneficial for me they just have to be patient, understanding. That's all I'm asking. I'm not asking you to be learned about mental health. I'm just asking you to be aware of it. 
Sorry, I talked over you. That's right. <laughs> it's not. It's not acceptable for me to talk over you. What did you say, man? I said that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> so I just basically talked over you, complimenting yeah. me. That was good. Yeah. Oh dear, trolls. <laughs> so with places like tape, um, how important do you think they are to, I guess, kind of tackle stigma or mental health, or just? Um, help people cope with mental health problems. Yeah, I think what tape does in a really subtle way, and I have been, I have been a beneficiary of this as well as like, hopefully helping other people, is that in a subtle way, what we're doing is allowing people to be somewhere where they're not judged in any way for who they are, and by being in an environment where you can get your confidence up because you're not you're being treated as a person and being spoken to on your interests, on who you are as a person, then you suddenly realise there's an environment where you can do that and then that environment extends to the outer world beyond outside of tape. I think that's why, and I think it is important to have that space. It's, uh, yeah, most of your anxieties come from your own paranoia of what you think people think and what an environment goes and to have a whole building and a whole group of staff that are going to when you walk in be happy to see you and be able to go and know who you are it's a really subtle thing and and you couldn't fill out an application form for a bid for funding for that you couldn't go hey the environment we want to create for people is a genuine real social experience where when someone comes somewhere they do their art they do their training they learn their skills but it's an environment where they get treated as people they'd be like well we don't care about that we care about them getting a job we care about them going to university we care about the that's what funders care about yeah but for me what tape gives people is a genuine structure to build personal relationships that then help you in the outside world, which is sounds really strange. Sounds like take for prison's place where you come and eventually you'll be trained to go into the real world. But the idea of feeling comfortable and going, wait a minute, people do treat me like a person. People do know who I am, know my worries, know the things that I want, know my goals. I am a worthwhile person. And when I go into the world, if I meet somebody and they don't give me that, it's my opportunity to say, well, I don't need to give them my time. I agree. Okay. I mean, I kind of feel like community centres as a whole are kind of a way forward for society because a lot of people have kind of become more antisocial. I mean, I'd only be guessing because I wasn't alive like 50 years ago or something, but to be I guess. I'd guess that um, communities were a lot more open and people would talk to each other a lot more and it doesn't happen so much these days so having places like this to go to is provides that for people and yeah it just provides you with an opportunity to meet people and talk about everyday life and, you know make friendships and things like that so yeah yeah I think I think it needs so uh, well, we're talking about that um, it was interesting uh, we went to a talk on cyberbullying and one of the things that they noticed about why cyberbullying has become so prevalent and so painful for people 
is people have stopped doing the uh, the conversation. So when you're a child and you go, I think you've got a funny face, and you see that the kid kind of go, oh, your empathy kicks in. You go, well, I didn't really... Some people enjoy being mean, but the 90% of us see the meanness and go, oh, we didn't really want them to feel that way. Whereas via the internet, you can go, I think you've got a funny face, and the person reads it, and they go, oh, but you don't... The person being the bully doesn't get have to deal with a person being sad, yeah. so they end up creating the lack of empathy... And then when they go out in the real world, they have no empathy. Um, uh, and so I think, you know, even though I'm, you know, I've kind of got off social media recently, but I used to be a social media person, video games online. Um, and I know there's lots of people who have internet communities and they have, you know, very meaningful relationships. But I do think that eye contact, being in a room with somebody is so important. I genuinely love playing video games like this more than playing video games online because I like to be able to put a controller down and make a cup of tea and have a chat about stuff and see people and have a conversation with them because so much of conversation is those a smile on someone's face you know uh, someone recognising and noting those things so yeah I think it's, it's, it is good to have social space that people can come to and get those things do you think that that being at tape and having those personal relationships with with people at tape not just staff members but other members of groups that you've been involved with um have given you more confidence but also skills that you can go out into into an ordinary situation and meet new people definitely both yeah mm. it's it's definitely improved my confidence in just talking to people in general because i mean when i first came last summer i'd finished with uni and hadn't really made many friends there and just struggled interacting you know on a daily basis and coming here is kind of like it's it was kind of refreshing in a way because it kind of resets everything and you can kind of like I think my batteries have just died oh sorry I thought I'm switched off but yeah um, it's helped a lot and just kind of it's more down to like finding people who you have stuff in common with here because Obviously, I enjoy the stuff we do here, like editing and things like that, and being able to feel like you fit in somewhere kind of gives you confidence to go somewhere else and say, well, if everything goes wrong in this social situation that I have here in this new place, I can always go back to tape and have a place there for me. So it's just about, it's like a stepping stone in a way, like something you can stand on and say, I've got this. It's yeah. an experience to draw from that you can kind of, yeah, but it's definitely helped for sure. No, it's, it's uh, I, I mean, that's uh, the greatest thing, but I think it is, um, it's nice to know that that, that it works because it's not, it's something that's kind of come, it's kind of organic with the people that work at tape. We kind of don't, uh, we don't believe in that kind of, um, yeah, treating everyone the same, which we believe in treating people the same and talking to people and that's just part of our, our makeup as, 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 as people that work at tape. But it's nice to know that that it that it's having a positive effect. Besides the positive effect, um, that just being nice <laughs> makes you feel nice. Being a nice person, speaking to the people, and hearing what they've got to say and listening to them is is a positive thing for the the person listening as much as the person being listened to. Um, so it's beneficial for us to live that way. Um, but it's good to know that it is having a good on your mental health and, and, and helping you outside of that so 
don't know what the right response for that. I was going to say thank you. No, 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 I'm thanking you for thank you for being being better out in the world from having been at tape. Uh, but yeah, it's good. It's, yeah. it's good. It's good to know. And thank you for doing your job at tape and helping people make, become better as well. No, it's it's all it's all. Yeah, it's a positive it's, cycle. It works both ways. Works both ways. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's really good though. I mean, I if you were like a bad person, I would treat you as nicely as you are. You would. You wouldn't. I wouldn't. Okay. I thought you said you would. I wouldn't treat you. No. No, sorry. <laughs> Let's do that again. And cut and if you're a terrible person, I wouldn't treat you as nicely as I'm treating you now. So it's partly the yeah, it's part of you the part of the, the, the way you're the way you are makes people I think you have a very calm way you talk and you you're you're very articulate about about your anxieties and the way you talk about it. Um, and you're very welcoming. It's a very nice, very nice quality. You got so you should, you shouldn't feel those anxieties. And I've just done the thing that I told people they shouldn't do. But you shouldn't have those anxieties because uh, you're a very warm person who uh, listens to people and and is very helpful um, with other people who you've taught taught people how to edit that tape. Work with um, with John and Chloe on the documentary, which is still happening, and we are still going to do it. I only push forward with that. Um, so yes, you'd be proud of yourself. So it's nice for you to thank Tate, but you should be proud of yourself for your moving forward. Thank you. It's half four. I'm just going to go on my phone real quick to tell her what's going on so she isn't... Um, so otherwise I'll just go to a very mad wife. And <laughs> Even though I like you a lot, and I also, I'm not willing to lose my wife over this, this interview. <laughs> This is the commitment Andy's willing to take to... Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the lens I will go uh, to, help, uh, to help people is to lose my marriage. <laughs> and someone just came to the door and went, what? <laughs> okay. All right. So she'll answer the question. Okay. So um, are you confident that the whole situation around mental health will improve in society going yeah. forward? I yeah, I'm quite positive about that. I think I think everything gets better. I mean, I think everything still has a long way to come when it comes to the progression of everything. Yeah. Like say, I always use the example of racism and homophobia. Is it's the same thing. It's it's isms. It's people being either uncomfortable or fearful of difference. Uh, and, and but society always keeps getting better. I mean, like you you look at something like race. There's loads still to happen with racism and to, to kind of tackle that. But if you think about where we were, you know, 20 years ago, it's definitely better than it was, even though it's still rubbish. <laughs> and I think that, that in 10, 20 years' time, mental health will still have its issues, but it'll definitely be a lot further along than it is now. So I think I think we're always moving forward. Um, I think uh, in working, in, uh, working with uh, councils and stuff, we've definitely seen a big movement of how councils deal with mental health and normally they're the um the, the the guinea pigs of of companies being better at things so it normally goes through the councils and when the councils become more educated and do workshops on mental health and working out how te- how uh, managers deal with staff that have got mental health issues uh, that normally moves forward into the private sector and then moving better there and it is a lot better in in councils than it used to be. Yeah. So I, sure. I have, I'm hopeful. So yeah, hopefully everything will move in the right direction. Just keep going. Yeah. All right. And you're Thank an you ambassador for it. 
Sorry. Well, wait, you're an ambassador for, yeah, for, for mental health. So, <laughs> so hopefully as you get older, you might get into a position where you can genuinely help that. You're already doing it with these, these uh, videos. <laughs>